0: What are the three things they should be thinking about when it comes to their operations agenda?
1: I would say, number one, how to apply gen AI and automation in back office and in shared service functions. Number two, purchasing under inflationary circumstances. Huge gains to be had quickly if you navigate this space. And third, sustainability in operations. In ops, we've for a long time done optimizations of efficiency, quality, uh, cost. Now it's also about sustainability and carbon footprint.
0: That was Axel Carlson, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations. Your company's future success demands agile, flexible, and resilient operations. I'm your host, Daphne Luchtenberg, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. As leaders turn their attention to planning for 2024, we wanted to take a moment to look at the global landscape and explore some of the key questions and pressing issues impacting companies, as well as look at what they should be doing to optimize their operations around the world. This moment provides an opportunity for big changes and bigger value capture and it requires a commitment from the very top of the organization. Joining us to explore some of these hot topics are Dan Swan and Axel Carlson, senior partners and global co-conveners of McKinsey's operations practice. Thank you both very much for being here. Dan, welcome.
1: Thank you, Daphne. Looking forward to the discussion.
0: And Axel, great to see you here as well.
1: Yeah, great to see you too. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Let's kick off the conversation and start with the big picture Dan, can I start with you first, with your view on the North American markets, how are you seeing volatility evolve?
2: Obviously, there's certainly a lot happening today, and I think it puts a lot of different demands on supply chain and operations organizations to really solve a a pretty complex equation. Just the inflationary environment that we've seen over the last few years has turned a situation where a lot of times the operations and from a productivity program could offset inflation to an environment where that's practically impossible when you're talking about seven, eight, 10% inflation year over year, as we've seen the last couple of years. And so it really puts an increasing demand on supply chains and their organizations to deliver productivity. I think the second thing that we're seeing is these supply chain executives are also being asked to deliver on sustainability How do we help improve the carbon footprint and reduce the impact on our environment? And they're also being asked to increase the resiliency of their operations coming out of a global pandemic, not to mention many other disruptions we've had. So when you look at the macro environment around these organizations and what so many of our clients are facing, It really is a pretty unique environment that requires both understanding the trade-offs across all these different dimensions, as well as delivering across multiple
1: fronts.
0: And Axel, let me invite you in here.
1: I would say Europe, we see uh, quite different dynamics in different industry sectors. So I think everything that has to do with consumer-facing industries is relatively weak, driven by the consumer simply having less money to spend and Europe being quite affected by the high interest rates. At the same time, we have other industry sectors that are booming. I mean, if you look at the green energy transition, battery factories, I mean, there are many examples where it's like never been better than it is right now. So the combination is an unusual one. I would say in both of these extremes, ops has never been higher on the CEO agenda. And we're also seeing some dynamics that we haven't seen for a generation, like purchasing in such an inflationary environment. I mean, we have had 25, 30 years since we saw something similar. So the capabilities needed in purchasing the tools are quite different than than what we've seen for a while. And we also have new technological opportunities opening up brand new opportunities to restructure back office and such functions. And given the macroeconomics tying back to that, I think the urge to move has never been bigger among our clients. And it's not just a COO topic, it's really a CEO topic.
0: Really helpful. Let's move on then. So as you're having conversations with clients, there's some really important trade-offs to make. Where are clients placing their big bets?
2: Great question, Daphne. I think in the world that we seem to be operating in, the reality is that for a lot of operations leaders, productivity is a non-negotiable, right? I think just the reality of where we sit and the reality of the cost pressures that a lot of people have faced, both on whether you're a product manufacturer and input costs and raw materials, or whether you're a services company, you've seen the cost of labor grow meaningfully. The need to drive productivity has never been higher. So I would say for most of our clients and companies, that's kind of a non-negotiable. And then what we see on top of that is a lot of supply chain leaders and executives thinking really hard about where are the places that they're gonna make their big bets. For example, when you look at resiliency and how you think about uh, building more operational flexibility in, this was a super critical capability that was front and center for everybody over the last couple of years but the question is, how much will companies invest in that supply chain and operational resiliency as we return to something that feels more normal? And will that the importance there continue to be as high as it has been the last couple of years? While we can't predict what the next disruption can be, we are quite confident that there's more and more disruptions coming down the pipe. I think on the uh, sustainability front, we've also got to take head on where the emissions sit today. So a lot of companies that are heavy emitters, and a lot of that is upstream from their individual supply chains are having to place big bets on how they can improve kind of the impact in the, our environment through their operations. And some of those things actually reduce costs, and it's a very good thing. Others potentially require investment.
0: And presumably navigating kind of the volatility in labor um, availability is another critical factor there.
2: Three or four years ago, automation was a four-letter word, in particularly in the U.S., It was going to disrupt our economy. It was going to cause real challenges. Now, as we look at it, there are nearly a million jobs open, manufacturing jobs open in the U.S. right now. And that's before we have all the billions and billions of dollars of investment that will come from the IRA Act and the CHIPS Act, uh, the Infrastructure Act that the U.S. government has passed. And so when you look at that, the increasing demand for manufacturing jobs, construction jobs, et cetera, is going to be put real strains on our ability to actually fill these jobs and therefore produce the products we need to make and get the jobs done that need to be done. And so I actually think we've potentially reached an inflection point where automation has gone from being a bad word to potentially being a savior for how we get the work done.
1: I think there's an interesting phenomenon that the capital intensity in the world seemingly is going up, driven by a number of mega trends. So uh, we touched upon, I mean, the electrification, battery factories being built, the electric grid needing to be rebuilt, and more power generation needed. In Europe, there's a huge need for infrastructure investment, and infrastructure investment is going up. So just any type of capital intensity is increasing. Also driven, by the way, by IT and different digital innovations that also require investment. And therefore, I think capital excellence, how to deal with large capital consuming projects in an efficient way, is also a theme for us in our client service that is seeing increased traction. And I think that trend we will probably see more of in the coming 15 to 20 years. And it's, of course, also to think sometimes about what will this mean for Economic policy in the coming years, and what will it mean for inflation, and how will the fundamental economic forces change in the coming 20 years versus the previous 20?
0: And actually, as we build on that, Axel, you know, if you're thinking about just the fundamentals of operational excellence, um, COOs kind of cut their teeth on the lean methodologies. And we're kind of seeing that back to basics approach happening, but enhanced, if you like, with technology and. Thinking differently, holistically, about the purpose and and how people are involved in delivering excellence.
1: Our practice was almost uh, founded upon the principles of lean. And for for many years, we did the vast majority of the work we did was in lean. I think over the last 15 years or so, we've seen a shift from the classical lean into more technology-driven operations of various sorts. I would still say that for those of us who remember the old lean principles, they still apply. So it's all different types of lean, but it's now kind of morphed into new shapes. And um, lean is a commodity, you could say. So most of our clients are pretty good at doing it. So I think now our clients are thinking more about the next wave of lean in digital manufacturing, in uh, leveraging the latest procurement tools in digital procurement, We spoke already about service operations and automation and also what gen AI can mean for that. All of this is, of course, based on lean principles, but it's really the technology-enabled next generation version of that. And I think the macroeconomic environment that we started talking about is, of course, driving a much faster adoption of these new technologies and new practices with our clients.
0: You both talked a bit around how ops is now absolutely a CEO topic. Dan, can you say some words around that dynamic changing and how are CEOs engaging with some of these really typical ops topics?
2: Yeah, of course. One of the things that, you know, there's kind of an old adage in operations and supply chain that you only get called to the front when something's gone wrong. And so I think certainly for a lot of people, things went wrong and were very challenging over the last couple of years. I do think very naturally it has become more of a board and a CEO level topic, and I think a couple of big things behind that right One is just obviously, with some of the major disruptions we had, it's just it was impossible to run your supply chain and one of the things that I think has been lost in the discussion around the supply chain disruptions over the last couple of years is just the crazy spikes in demand that we saw in different industries. I think the second is this led to some really big and challenging conversations and big strategic discussions. Early on in the pandemic, what we found in our, all of our surveys were that what people were doing was basically trying to increase inventory. And that's fine. You can do that in relatively short order, et cetera. But as we've seen it evolve over the last couple of years, and it's not just been the pandemic, but it's been the war and all these other disruptions, all of a sudden people are talking about, should we be doing more? Um, nearshoring or reshoring and doing more production closer to the consumer? Should we be rethinking our talent profile and are we over-concentrated in certain countries around the world? Should we be thinking about changing the specifications of our product? I think a lot of those things led to really strategic, really important discussions that brought supply chain to the forefront of not just the, the CEO and the executive room, but the boardroom as well.
0: Yeah, Axel, have you seen kind of a shift in the kind of the discourse that's happening at the boardroom table?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think it's record times for the amount of different operations related topics that reaches the board. Of course, I mean, like we discussed, manufacturing and supply chain footprint is a huge topic given political tensions, given supply chain resiliency, which we've seen over and over again needs to be more in focus than it was 10 years ago, but also given Sustainability. A certain supplier of the metal nickel can be a thousand times more environmentally hazardous than another supplier of the same metal. So your supplier selection matters a lot from a sustainability point of view, so that's also on the board agenda. Then ops, of course, is on the agenda. How do you save money? We have a shortage of some professions, so we, we can't hire for some jobs where we have while we have unemployment in other areas. So there's just a record number of very different ops topics that all reach a CEO or reach a board and then prioritizing where do we start? How do we make sense of this is, of course, much more difficult now than it ever has been before.
0: And of course, part of that is around transparency, data, information, having that at your fingertips at a much faster pace, which is presumably an opportunity for the technology and the innovations that are coming down the pike, and then also potentially um, the impact of generative AI.
1: The opportunities leveraging data and digital across the ops space is, is more or less infinite. And we've seen it for, for a decade or more in digital manufacturing and various next generation digital applications. But now, I mean, we are expecting a new S-curve driven by Gen AI. You can see applications of Gen AI in most areas within ops. I think the shift will be almost as big as when the computer hit the desk in the office, what you can do, how it will change clients, how it will change the software industry, how it will change customer service. It will be a big new revolution that we have ahead. But to gain from that and to to benefit from that, you, of course, need to have your data strategies well-sorted to have control of what data you are accessing and should be accessing and should be leveraging to make your corporation even better.
0: And within that, the CTO and the COO have to be in lockstep, right, Dan?
2: One of the things when you look backward at some of the technology implementation within operations one of the failure modes you see is that sometimes the CTO and the head of operations or head of supply chain weren't in lockstep. And so what you end up with is a, a tool implementation that hasn't reaped the benefits and had the impact that one might hope. And we see this all the time, whether that be advanced planning, implementate technology implementations, whether we see it with more source to pay in the procurement arena, where people have put the tool in, but they haven't gotten the value. And so that notion of being super clear on the business case Being super clear on where the impact comes from, but also being super clear on what are the things outside the technology that are required to deliver the impact. For example, how do you build the capabilities of your organization to actually use the tool? How do we put the right performance management and metrics in place to measure how we're doing, both in terms of the input of the compliance? Are we using the tool and the outputs that you expect if you do use the tool? But as those technologies get better and as people get clearer and clearer on what it requires to deliver impact, I think that's one big wave where the CTO and the COO need to be in lockstep. I think the other way that we need to look at it more and more is for each area where you're trying to improve your business, what's the full potential of the technology and generative AI, right? So we should never do a planning transformation that isn't really looking across how do you improve the process and the capabilities of the people How do you leverage traditional technology, whether it's an advanced planning system or whatever? How do you leverage generative AI, et cetera? So not only should we be looking at it as generative AI end to end across your company, we should be asking the question of for each business problem we have, what's the full suite of tools, including more advanced technologies that we have to solve that problem? And I think that's a learning and an adaptation for people across a lot of client organizations.
0: That's really helpful. And to some extent, there's been a lot of learning, as you say, and so almost the playbook is emerging. So it's not like people are moving without knowing the steps to take. Axel, I know we've been working on the Global Lighthouse Network with the World Economic Forum, and it's just encouraging to see the number of lighthouses being called out there growing each year.
1: No, this is, of course, super exciting, and we've worked together with the World Economic Forum now for quite a while and uh, been able to to, uh, generate a number of such lighthouses, proving the latest and greatest in different ops technologies, most notably various types of digital manufacturing or digital tools, generating results that bring them to the top of the top in, in their respective industry. So for any interested listener, I mean, you can go in and and check out on the web various cases that are quite interesting to to understand. Talking a bit about the impact and what, what kind of goes across those cases, I think is value back. I think that's a topic that is evergreen and I think any ops leader needs to bring with them because, I mean, I think all these lighthouses have started by understanding which are the applications for new technologies within ops that can bring them the biggest value. Then within those areas, how do we apply the technology to do that in the most efficient way and get the most bang for the buck and then actually do it so that you have a proof point, a lighthouse to show that it can be done and you can prove the impact with it. And I think this staging, starting value back and then deciding which technology to apply sounds very simple, but actually very few do that. So I think we all have a tendency to go with the latest trend and get excited about some tool and then invest many millions of dollars in applying various tools without always getting the the value for it.
2: I think one of the things that's been really interesting is making sure how companies are thinking about scaling the impact from these use cases and their digital journeys from the very beginning, right? I think in the good old days, people would try something, see if it worked, then have the proof point, and then think about how they scale it. Well, the reality is what you need to do to scale it could be terribly different than what you need to do to prove that it works the first time. We see a lot of leading companies changing the mindset of, trying to figure it out in one place and not only doing that, but also thinking what are the things that I need to do to put in place so that I can scale this across my entire network from the beginning. And that is a massive shift in thinking.
0: Beautifully said. We're going to have to conclude the conversation, um, but it's been super interesting. As CXOs and the boardroom are thinking about their planning for 2024 and the opportunities but also the challenges that need to be navigated, what are the three things they should be thinking about when it comes to their operations agenda? Axel?
1: I would say, number one, how to apply gen AI and automation in back office and in shared service functions. Huge opportunity for every company I know of, regardless of industry. Number two, purchasing under inflationary circumstances. Huge gains to be had quickly if you navigate this space. But it's so long ago that we had a similar environment. So most people in the purchasing department, they are not up to speed with what can be done. And third, sustainability in operations. In ops, we've for a long time done optimizations of efficiency, quality, uh, cost. Now it's also about sustainability and carbon footprint. There are many methodologies to do both at the same time, and both can be done at the same time, and you can make money on that.
0: Thanks. And Dan, how
2: about you? I'll have just three things that I think we should be encouraging around the mindset of our COOs and senior operations executives. One is, while I think a lot of our clients feel enormous pressure to deliver productivity in this environment, I, I would encourage people to use this environment as a chance to change the mindset around productivity within your organizations. There's never been a better opportunity to get heads of marketing CFOs, heads of sales, focus on productivity and tackle some of the things that an operations executive can't do on their own, but require collaboration with others. I think the second thing I would think about is how do we infuse tech enablement into everything we do from an operations perspective, but not have it be a tech agenda versus an ops agenda. But those two things come together. And the third mindset I'd encourage people to have is How do we ensure that supply chain and operations remain a boardroom topic and a a CEO priority as we return to something that feels more quote unquote normal? I'm not sure any of us know what normal means anymore, but I think this has been a really unique time where operations and supply chain have moved into the boardroom. And I think that's a really good thing, both for operations executives, but it's a really good thing for companies to have more and more boards and CEOs thinking about supply chain and operations every day.
0: That's wonderfully said. Thanks so much for joining us for this conversation. Axel, thanks so much for being here. It was great to have you.
1: Thank you for having me, Daphne.
0: And Dan as well. Thanks for sharing your perspectives and being part of this conversation today.
2: Thanks a lot for having me, Daphne. really enjoyed it.
0: You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Daphne Luchtenberg. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. Another great episode starts now.